Hi, I'm Chantelle. And I'm Matthew. And we're founders of Fifth Place, where our mission is to make the world a better place by enabling the how. Welcome, Welcome to, to our Emotions Matter, Matter Really podcast. In this podcast, we explore everything about emotions, feelings, and what it is to become and remain emotionally fit. We interrogate the taboo around expressing and talking about emotions and feelings. We talk about all those things we want less of, like stress, anxiety, and burnout, and the things we want more of, like sleep, calm, and self-care. How are you today, Matthew? Hi there, I'm doing well. As we record this, it's a lovely autumn day. It's relatively quiet. Birds are chirping here and there. The sun is shining, so I'm feeling pretty good. How about you? Yes, it's lovely to see the sun shining again after so many days of wet over this past summer. You know, it's just been International Workers' Day, celebrated around the world on the 1st of May. International Workers' Day is also known as Labor Day or May Day. It's a celebration of the courage shown by the working class when they unite, united in uh, objecting to poor working conditions. It dates back to the late 1800s when after increasing levels of abuse and exploitation, workers demanded a shorter working day. Here's to shorter working days, eight hours in total. Hmm. And recognition of their contribution to the economy. Well, I don't see why not. And mine sort of boggles if eight hours was less. How long were they working for? Indeed. And with well, the impact of lockdown, not a too distant memory. And prior to that, increasing levels of stress in the workplace. The drive to be always on, longer and longer hours connected to work, as well as work-related issues. Burnout has seen an alarming increase. Yes, it has. And you know, we probably think that burnout is a modern 21st century issue specific to current times because we've heard so much about it recently. But you know, this isn't so. I thought we could have a look at a brief history of burnout and where it comes from. Okay. So in terms of digging back and digging into the archives and so on, we found that as far back as the 4th century BCE, there was a concept called melancholia and it was being written about. And melancholia describes a condition characterized by a markedly depressed mood, bodily complaints, and sometimes hallucinations and delusions. Many centuries later, monks named an exhaustion disorder acedia, and this is described as anxious distractibility, listlessness, and an inability to focus on the task at hand. Mm. Yes, and then in the late 19th century, a diagnosis called neurasthenia was described as a state of exhaustion as a result of excessive pressure on the nervous system. Now defined as a persistent and distressing complaint of increasing fatigue after mental effort or persistent and distressing complaints of bodily weakness and exhaustion after minimal effort. 
William James, a psychologist and philosopher, went so far as to call it, wait for this, Americanitis, due to it being so widespread in the US. And then there's William S. Sadler, an American surgeon and self-trained psychiatrist who noted that the incessant drive, flurry and activity of the American disposition brought it upon them. Neurasthenia kind of burnt out as a diagnosis in the late 1920s, partly because... Oh, I see what you did there. Burnt out. <laughs> oh, thank you. Got it, did you? And this is as a result of uh, partly because it had too many symptoms. It was too elaborate and broad, so as to mean almost anything. And then there were some new legal and medical changes that made it less attractive to acknowledge and work with. Well, we're nearly up to the present day, and if we look into the mid-1970s, burnout came to gain a more legitimate scientific recognition. Herbert Freudenberger, a New York City psychologist, well, one day he found himself unable to get out of bed on the morning of his family's vacation or holiday. He is acknowledged as one of the first to coin the term burnout. He did a self-study on what he had experienced and then published a paper, and this paper was called Staff Burnout in 1974. His conclusion was that individuals that burned out were the dedicated and the committed. Hmm. He then went on to say, it is precisely because we are dedicated that we walk into a burnout trap. We work too long and too intensely. We feel pressure from within to work and help, and then we feel pressure from the outside to give. When the staff member then feels an additional pressure from the administrator to give more, he is under a three-pronged attack. Now, at the same time that Freudenberger was doing his study, Christina Maslach was studying depersonalization in the caring professions. Now, her findings were key. She reported that when people in the caring professions get too detached from their clients, as a result of being drained by the emotionally taxing work that they do, they experience burnout. And she explains burnout as being the loss of any human feelings for their clients. And then in the early 1980s, Maslach developed a burnout inventory, which measured the three elements of her burnout model. These are levels of exhaustion, cynicism and ineffectiveness. Mm, yes, and then studies going forward really focus primarily on human services or the caring professions. In 2019, burnout was classified as a syndrome rather than an illness by the World Health Organization. And to date, there is still no agreement on how to measure burnout or diagnose it. It has no status as a disorder. And yet people still experience it. Indeed. Many argue that burnout is more a state of depression, and it does have many of the elements of depression, but it's also been viewed that burnout can be related to very high work-related stress. But chronic work-related stress, although it contributes to burnout, is not in and of itself burnout. Mm. No, burnout is a state of emotional, physical and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. 
It occurs when you feel overwhelmed, emotionally drained, and unable to meet constant demands. It is linked specifically to one's work and the gap between what your ideals and desires are about what you think you should be doing and what you actually are doing. You're overworked and undervalued. Yeah, burnout happens over time, over a period of time, and also across a spectrum involving exhaustion, feeling ineffective, as well as increasing cynicism. In his book, The End of Burnout, Why Work Drains Us and How to Build Better Lives, Jonathan Malesi says that you can be burning out before you are finally burnt out. Mm, and I think that's quite an interesting distinction. You can be burning out before you are burnt out. Because a lot of people say I'm burnt out, but burnt out is something quite different to being burned out. And signs that you are heading for burnout include the fact that no day is a good day, every day is a bad day, you are perpetually exhausted even though you may sleep a lot, you don't even have the energy to care. You find your work either completely overwhelming or incredibly incredibly monotonous or dull and it feels like nothing you do is appreciated or makes any difference. Well if you have any of these symptoms and they cover physical, emotional as well as behavioral then you know might be worth having a look at yourself and your environment. So physical symptoms of burnout include exhaustion, feeling tired and drained all the time, headaches as well as muscle aches and pains, lowered immunity, and we know what happens when you have a lowered immunity, you're often getting sick, a change in appetite, as well as change in sleep patterns. Mm. Emotional symptoms, on the other hand, include increased self-doubt and feelings of failure, feeling defeated, trapped and helpless, feeling alone in the world and detached from life, a loss of motivation, a loss of hope, increased cynicism and negativity, and decreased satisfaction and sense of accomplishment. Well, if that's not enough, then some of the behavioral symptoms of burnout include isolating from others, so withdrawing, relinquishing your responsibilities, Procrastination, taking much longer to finish things off. Acting out and acting up as your levels of frustration increase. Then increased absenteeism, taking time off work. And then absenteeism's buddy, presenteeism, which is actually showing up for work, but not really doing too much, looking very busy, but not that productive. Arriving late, leaving early, and then using unresourceful methods of coping using things like food, alcohol, drugs, and so on, which we refer to as banning. Mm. Yeah. Sure. So, what leads to burnout, though? Well, as you're probably starting to hear, burnout is a journey or a process. It doesn't just happen one day and you wake up and you're burnt out. And so, like most things in life, the road to burnout is quite a personal one. It's dependent on many factors. These include your personality, your levels of resilience, emotional fitness, boundary management, 
and ambition. Mm. Here are some things that can lead to burnout. Lack of control and ability to influence decisions that affect your work. These things can be the managing your diary, scheduling, um, assignments, workload and resource management. When you get given vague work expectations and then judged on them. The lack of recognition or reward. A dysfunctional or toxic environment at work. And this can look like working with a bully, whether that's a co-worker or a boss, being undermined or micromanaged. Mm, that's really not fun. I mean, imagine all three. Mm -hmm. Undermined, micromanaged, working with a bully and having a bully boss. No, thank you. And then if your work is either monotonous or chaotic, so we've got the one side being chaos, the other side being monotony, maybe even vacillating between the two, then that can also contribute to burnout. If you have no support and you feel isolated, and then this is a big one, especially in terms of what we witnessed and observed during lockdown, no boundaries, no boundaries between work and personal life where work seeps into your personal space and starts to consume it. Mm. And I don't think it's any only one of these things that can contribute. It's like a combination of a whole lot. And it also, as you said, it's, it's really about the type of person that you are. And typically, you know, most people who are inclined to get burned out are the A-type personalities, the perfectionists, the over-controllers. But they're also the nurturers and the carers, those people who are in people-centered positions and jobs. Some individuals in some occupations are at higher risk than others. Mm, absolutely. I think it's also clear to start seeing, or it's certainly the picture becomes clearer, that burnout is both an environmental thing as well as a personal thing. So you need to make changes within yourself as also in your environment. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me a little bit of the serenity prayer. The thing with burnout is that you can try to push through until your body says no, and it will. The consequences of that are a complete halt. And uh, I've seen it not so much as a halt as a crash. And this is a halt or a crash in doing the work you probably thought that you always wanted to do or dreamed of and it requires a complete overhaul of your life because if you don't then the pattern will repeat again and again and again mm. so what do we do yes what do we do and i think the most frustrating thing for many people is the fact that they think the work that they were doing is their dream job and all of a sudden it's like why am i feeling so exhausted? Why am I feeling so demotivated? This is supposed to have been my dream job. But you know, the first thing you have to do is you have to stop, listen, and acknowledge the warning signs. In reality, you probably can't avoid them. But you know, you might try and make excuses or try to cover up the fact that you're about to turn into a piece of charcoal. It may not be an easy thing to admit to. You may even feel embarrassed that you've allowed it to get this bad, but none of that will be as problematic 
as sucking it up and driving on. Mm. What you can do is multifaceted, always multifaceted. There's never just one thing that's going to be the like panacea for um, addressing something like burnout. It's varied. All of these things that we're going to discuss now are worthy of consideration and action. Action. Our key is action. Mm. So the first thing, and uh, I won't give any prizes for this if you know anything about us and our work. The first thing is come back to your body. Mm. Listen to what your body is telling you. In my experience, your body is always communicating. It's communicating with you as well. And the question is, are you listening? And one of the things you can start doing is to just notice tension in your body. Are your shoulders tense? Your neck? Maybe your jaw? What about your stomach? How acidic is that? And what about other aches and pains that may show up in your body? How are you attending to them? These are all little signposts. You know that road to burnout that we mentioned earlier? Well, your body is signposting it. And you best start listening if this applies. Yes. And then the next thing is to seek support. Professional or community or social. Being able to verbalize how you're feeling to a trusted person can help re reality check your thoughts and your feelings. You know, so often we make excuses. We're like, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, I'm being weak. This isn't really that, you know, terrible. Uh, th that I'm terrible. Okay. I'm okay. Yeah. I just have to push on. Yes, that person has it worse. Yes. And, uh, and talking to another person can really reality check it for you and be able to say, actually, no, this is probably worse than what you think. Remember, this is... A whole bunch of stuff that you can consider and just see if it resonates with you or not. So something else that you can do is take some time out. Book an extended vacation. Take time away from work. Time that will give you the space to reflect and consider your options. You need to rest. You need space to think. Or in this case, not to think. And certainly disconnecting from a screen as well as any work communication, is vital. Yes, and that um, connects with the next one, which is find time to relax and be purposeful and committed to it. So just as you may be purposeful and committed to your work, you need to be as purposeful and committed to taking time to relax. This is your commitment to your self-care. And taking time to relax can be quiet time to meditate, engaging in some creative pursuit, or socializing with loved ones. And remember, the time needs to be planned, it needs to be purposeful, and you do need to commit to it. So you need to put it in your diary, in other words. And while you're doing all of this, make sure you get enough sleep. Sleep is highly underrated, and yet it's super important. Being in a state of exhaustion, you might think that getting enough sleep is obvious or superfluous. And you may have been sleeping a great deal, but being burned out or heading that way means that you're not getting enough good sleep. A focused strategy to improve your sleep 
and ensure you get enough hours of sleep is crucial. And this means getting between seven and nine hours of sleep. And this will go a long way to assisting with feelings of burnt or being burnt out. Mm, and that's not seven or nine hours of sleep once. It's like on an ongoing basis. Yes. And just to add, you know, if any of this stuff does resonate with you and you're not quite sure about the how, how do I, then, you know, we invite you to connect with us and uh, have a chat and see how we can support you in you becoming unburnt out. <laughs> yes, and it's actually not funny because being burned out is terrible. Um, you know, and part of the recovery from being burnt out or avoiding potential burnout is really taking a promise to yourself to look after yourself. And that means exercise, nourish yourself, and developing a mindfulness-based practice. Exercise is around moving your body. It is, it is proven, scientifically proven, that you need to move your body in order to reduce your stress or release your stress. And this means moving your body in any way that supports you. It doesn't have to be, you know, exercise if you don't like to exercise. It can be dancing. It can be, you know, just stretching. It can be anything, but it must be moving. That really does help to release the stress and regulate your nervous system. And then nourishing yourself by eating wholesome, healthy foods, avoiding the carbs and the, the sugars. And of course, drinking plenty of water, H2O, again, avoiding the sugary, the sugary drinks. And again, considering a mindfulness-based practice, such as hmm, taking an emotional fitness class. What's also key is to start to consider life outside of work. So find something outside of work that really hooks your passions, that gets you excited. And this particular recommendation is, is kind of important because having a focus outside of work that energizes you is key for long-term health and well-being. Mm. It's the other side of the work-life balance. balance. Yes, balance being the operative word. Yes. And then no tech times. So being on and available 24-7 is a zero-sum game, folks. Taking time from all tech and screens, such as having no tech tables for dinners, is a start to unplugging. Yep, that's something we do. No tech tables, no phones. We engage and connect and commune with one another and whoever happens to be with us at mealtimes. The other thing that you can do is take time to declutter and reorganize. When you are burnt out, it often means you spend a lot of time worrying that you're going to forget things or let things slip through the cracks. You'll be suffering from brain fog and your memory will be impacted. So taking time to clear and declutter as well as getting organized in a way that works for you will be a big support. Mm. And then it's always about you and it's never about you. Burnout, as Matthew said previously, can be driven by both internal and external factors. And so it would be useful to reflect on what patterns you can discern about the way you are, the way you work and how you relate to others. Can you say no? Do you take on more and more? Do you like everything to you? 
that you do to be just perfect? How do you feel when you don't have control? Does your desire to help and be of service to others get overridden by energy sapping administrative or structural or cultural constraints? Do you have much autonomy at work or are you relegated to punitive rules and regulations that, are ha that hamstring your progress? And do you work for a support or bullying boss? These are some of the questions to ask yourself to figure out if it is you that is your own worst enemy or whether it is time to move on from the place you currently work. And lastly, know your limitations. Know when to say no. Put boundaries in place regarding the number of projects or responsibilities you take on, especially time boundaries. It may be a more flexible environment when we work from home and yes, technology, the good side of technology, does allow us to work at all hours. But just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Mm -hmm. You definitely need to allocate time for the other areas of your life, including your family, your friends, and hobbies. It's all about getting into the cab, what we refer to as contracting, action, and boundaries. Yep, at the end of your life, will you look back and say, I should have spent more time and energy at work? You may be called to consider carefully your choices for you and the life you wish to lead going forward, as well as what your legacy will be. Here's an invitation. Consider a program to build your emotional fitness, because if you are emotionally fit, you'll be more attuned to your body. In other words, listening to it. You'll be more attuned to the way you feel, the way you engage with others, and then you'll be able to make better decisions, better choices that support you as well as your well-being. And then you'll be better placed to contract appropriately, take action and enforce your boundaries. As I said earlier, getting into the cab. Mm. And in all things though, first and foremost, be kind to yourself. Well, for me, this podcast has been a real eye-opener and fascinating at that in terms of how long burnout has been a thing. I started out thinking not only that it was a recent phenomenon, but also it was individual and less environment. But I've learned that it's both and, as you mm -hmm. like to say. And, you know, certainly not, as some schools of thought that we've seen recently have advocated that it's solely the responsibility of the environment, because I feel that that disempowers you to make the changes that are required. We have to take responsibility for the role that we play in our own lives. Mm -hmm. As we say, it starts with... Me. Mm -hmm. And we've come to that part of the episode, that part of our podcast, where we close out with a poem. What poem have you chosen for us this time, Chantal? Mm -hmm. So I've chosen the poem called You Are Tired, I Think, by E.E. E. Cummings. It's about a man who invites a woman to come with him as she is tired. Tired of this routine of life without love, of things that keep breaking, especially her heart. Although it's not 
really about burnout or work-related exhaustion per se. I wanted something that offered a bit of hope, that had a positive ending. And this one does. Oh, I look forward to it. Thank you very much. So, take it away. You are tired, I think. You are tired, I think, of the always puzzle of living and doing. And so am I. Come with me then, and we'll leave it far and far away. Only you and I understand. You have played, I think, and broke the toys you were fondest of and are a little tired now, tired of things that break and just tired. So am I. But I come with a dream in my eyes tonight and I knock with a rose at the hopeless gate of your heart. Open to me, for I will show you the places nobody knows. And if you like, the perfect places of sleep. Ah, oh, come with me. I'll blow you that wonderful bubble, the moon, that floats forever and a day. I'll sing you the jacinth song of the probable stars. I will attempt the unstartled steps of dream until I find the only flower which shall keep, I think, your little heart while the moon comes out of the sea. Mm. As always, so lovely, thank you. And E.E. E. Cummings is one of my favourite poets, and I love the sentiment of this poem. Thank you very, very much for choosing it. And with that, it's time to say farewell. So from me, Chantal, be kind and be gentle to yourself. And until next time, bye for now. And from me, Matthew, bring the light, don't burn out. And bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast and haven't already done so, please subscribe or follow us. You can also find out more about what we do by visiting our website, fifth.place. Yes. That's all it is, 5th.place. And for more ways to manage your stress and avoid burnout, as well as to build your emotional fitness, we invite you to try out our mini audio course called How to Master Your Emotions or attend an emotional fitness class. You can attend an online emotional fitness class live on Insight Timer or if the time zone difference or the class times don't suit you, you can purchase a recording at a very nominal price that you can come back to as often as you want for a period of three months. Both of these are linked in the description for this episode. And lastly, if you found this podcast to be of value and would like to match this value, consider making a donation to us here at Fifth Place. This will enable us to provide you with more valuable content.